1 Corinthians chapter number 13, and we'll read just the first three verses this morning. Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that, so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house. Father, I thank you for every person that's come out this way. And I pray, dear God, that you touch every heart, that you'd meet every need, Lord God, every request, uh, those prayers that were spoken and those that are kept silent in our heart. Father, I pray you'd meet them according to your perfect will. I pray you'd help us, dear God, as we preach your word today, Lord. Can't do a thing without you. And I ask, dear God, that you'd fill us and anoint us with your spirit. Father, bless this time now, Lord God. Save that soul that's lost. And Lord, we'll ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As we look here, uh, dealing with the subject, the absolutes of the Christian attitude, we looked at the last several weeks there at the chapter of Philippians, uh, chapter number 3 there, and we dealt with Paul's attitude towards daily living there. It showed an attitude of devotion, an attitude of declaration, where Paul uh, declared that the things that he once had pride in, the things he once stood on, were no longer of any value when he became to know Christ. But now as we come here, we look at this second attitude here, uh, this second defining chapter of the four uh, that speaks about Paul attitudes here and we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Paul's attitude towards divine love here. This is one of the greatest chapters in all of the New Testament and it is one of the absolute pinnacles uh, dealing with that subject of love. Now the defining mark of every mature and effective Christian is that of divine love. That mark that sets us apart is that love that comes only from God. It is a heavenly love. It is a love uh, that gives without expecting to receive. It is a love that forgives when the other person doesn't deserve it. It is a love that seeks out those who would never come our way on their own. It is a divine love. It is a love that is contrary to nature, contrary to man, and it is God's love there. That's what sets us apart from every other uh, person. That's what marks us uh, as God's people more than anything else is that defining love there that we have in our heart. Jesus said uh, that by loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind and that by loving thy neighbors thyself that a person would fulfill all of the law and the prophets John the beloved uh, said in 1 John 4 20 and 21 there if a man say I love God and hateth his brother he is a liar for he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen how can he love God whom he hath not seen and this commandment have we from him that he who loved excuse me he who loveth God loveth his brother also that is what again sets us apart is when we have a love for other people, not because they've done something to deserve it. It's easy to love someone that's been good to us. It's much more difficult to love someone because God's been good to us. But that is what He's looking for out of us. Now, there are true Christians that are, have become very bitter. There are true Christians who have become very hard-hearted. Are they saved? Yes, they're saved. But they are no longer effective for the cause of Christ. They are no longer a help to the kingdom of God. They do more to hinder. They do more to hurt than they do to build up the kingdom of God because of that hard-heartedness. Paul here, if anyone had a right to be upset, Paul was, again, falsely imprisoned, and that was at the hands of Gentiles, but even by the hands of those who were close to him. Paul was abandoned many times. 
He was left by himself. He was in prison there and others would, uh, weren't coming to meet the need there. He, he was left there to, to suffer and to deal with great persecution while others fled there and others turned back to the, uh, to the old world there. The Gospel of Mark there, a young man by the name of John Mark that uh, was uh, used to author that, he had forsaken Paul there. That's why Paul, uh, when we look at Paul, and Barnabas there, that's why they had separated in the book of Acts there. Barnabas, uh, John Mark was his family, and he had separated from the ministry. He had turned back and forsaken them on one of the missions trips. And Paul said, we can't take him anymore. He's no longer worthy. And Barnabas said, no, we've got to. And it ended up splitting that relationship. If anyone had a right to be upset, it was this man Paul. But we see here that Paul talks about three things this morning. Dealing with that subject of divine love there. He talks about love supremacy when we see it. I want you to notice three things uh, about the value of love or love's value there. I want you to notice first of all, he talks about in verse 1. That love is more valuable than proclamation. Look what he says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Notice the speech there. Though I speak with the tongues of men and, a of, of men and angels. There. That, that gift of tongues... Especially among the Corinthian church. If you study the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians, you will see a very spiritually immature church, a very spiritually divided church. That gift of tongues there among those Corinthians was, was the gift that was sought after the most. It was something that, that they, uh, they, they really yearned for and they, they really desired to have. There, You say, preacher, why is that? Because it was an outward gift. Because people could visibly see it. It involved a lot of pride. It puffed up the ego that, hey, I have the gift of tongues and I can speak uh, uh, with the, the, the language of angels and God can hear me and, and God speaks through me. It was something that, that uh, drove the pride of, of the hearts of many people there. We know Paul had the gift of tongues. Now again, never in Scripture will you see where tongues is gibberish. It is never one time an unknown babbling. It is always a uh, recognized language. But simply, uh, simply put, uh, tongues was the gift if you were to go into another country. Without knowing that language, you would speak just as clearly as you are, and they would understand the Word of God in that language. That's what we see in, in Acts chapter number 2 there on the day of Pentecost. They, they simply stated, how is it that you being, uh, uh, how is it you being Jews, we hear the uh, language, uh, or we hear the Word in our own language there. How is it that we understand it? It was an ability to speak a known language that they had not learned there. Uh, Paul had that gift. Paul needed that gift. And the fact that he went from city to city uh, preaching and, and, and missions trips there, and he never had the time... He wouldn't have had the time to be able to learn every language of every place he was in. Sometimes he would be in one city one day and another, another the next day. So God would have to give him the ability to speak. And he talked about how that is a needed gift there. But he goes on to say how much more valuable love is. And he said, and have not charity. I am become as sounding brass. There's a tinkling cymbal there. He talks about the speech. He talks also about the sound. When he says sounding brass... Or a tinkling symbol. What he is talking about is an unidentifiable or an unrecognizable noise. What he is talking about there, this has great significance. The Jews would have understood this. Because in, in, in Israel's time, they would use that trumpet. We read about the trumpets there, the Feast of Trumpets. We, we hear about the rapture. The trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. And so shall we ever be with the Lord in the air. The trumpet was something that marked distinction in Israel there. And they would use different notes on that trumpet. When they blew that trumpet there, one note would say, hey, there's danger ahead. One note would send out a warning. 
And they would know that a, uh, a, a neighboring country was trying to invade or there was a uh, danger at the borders of Israel and it was very important that that note was distinguished. Otherwise, if it was misunderstood, when danger was coming, people wouldn't think anything about it and they wouldn't be prepared there. There was a note that gave warning. There was a note that was a call to worship. There was a separate note there that said it's time to gather together and to be a part of this assembly. And that was important there. Those sacrifices that were needed to be made there. So those notes there had to be distinguished. There was a call for celebration, for victory. There was a call again uh, that warned of, of, of danger and all the things that came with it. There was a call to gather together. It was all distinct. And if those sounds were not clear, if those notes were not heard and understood rightly, then someone could be sitting back thinking they were safe when danger lurked ahead. Paul was saying, though I speak uh, with the tongue of men and angels, he said, if I could speak every language, if I could speak everything, and I could not, and I didn't do it in love, if I didn't uh, uh, share that message with love, if it didn't come with a heart and a desire of love there, he said, if I didn't have those things, then I'm just as if it was an unidentifiable note, just as if it was confusion, just as if it would bring danger when it was supposed to bring peace there. He's talking about how valuable that love is. Now remember, if they heard the wrong trumpet blast, it could have cost them their lives. If they're sitting back and they're relaxed and they heard the wrong sound, and they don't realize that there are soldiers on the other side of that wall getting ready to beat it in and come on in. Then they could be relaxed and unprepared and it could cost them their lives. Paul said, if I don't come and preach the gospel with love and I don't come and give that sound of love there, he said, it's just as if I, I, I'm putting people's lives at stake. He said, they could misinterpret, they could misunderstand. Remember, one of the big problems, the, the Corinthians there, they'd come and one person would stand up during the service and they'd speak some tongue there, and another person would stand up, there'd be no interpreter between the two. One would say, I've got a new prophecy. Another one would pop up and say, no, I've got something different. And what it did was it brought confusion. Right. And when other people came in from the outside, the lost came in from the outside, they would look, and instead of uh, realizing it was a work of God going on, they would think that there was madness, and they would leave that temple, and it would end up costing someone. It would hurt them. They'd think, those Christians are crazy. Those, uh, uh, that church over at Current there, they're, they're out of their mind. They don't have anything to offer. And it would cost that person their soul. What Paul was saying is, unless the message was done in love, we're just as good as if we're pushing them out the door. That's something to be taken very seriously. When he was talking about the fact that it was more valuable than proclamation. Secondly, he talks about the fact that it was more valuable than prophecy. Look at verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Notice that he talks about the preacher without love. He said, and though I have the gift of prophecy. The word prophecy there is, closely, is most closely related to the word preaching. Now this is significant because the Bible shows several times, all right? Romans 10 and verse number 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right? We look at 1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. Preaching, not the preacher, not the messenger, but the message, the Amen. living word of God 
has always been and will always be the most important part of any service. This is the living Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's when the Word of God comes out and pierces our heart. It's alive. It deals with the heart of the lost. It encourages the heart of the sinner. It works in the heart of the saved. It builds the church there. The Word of God is the most important thing. Again, it's not the messenger. It is the message of God there. That Word of God is the most important thing. And Paul said, even the Word of God, even the preaching is worthless if it is not done in love. Friends, if that preacher does not love God and does not love the people he is preaching to, he is no better than a hireling. He is doing it nothing more than for a paycheck or for popularity or prestige. If that preacher does not care about the Word of God, the people of God, and God Himself, then there is a problem there. Paul said if it's not done in love, if that prophecy, if that preaching is not done with a heart of love, then it's worthless. Friends, we ought to, no matter who it is, you ought not to want to see your enemy go to hell today. I'll be the first to tell you, when you put together this many people in a room, we are not always going to get along. We're not always going to agree. But if you say, Preacher, do you love me with all my heart? Preacher, do you love the Lord with all my heart? Preacher, do you love this church with all my heart because this is where God has put me? And there is not a single person in this room that if you called me and said, Preacher, I need you, I would not be there. This, this is not, I want you to understand, this is not a job to me. This is not my job. All right? This is my calling. This is where God has put me. And I love this with all my, I love this place. This is my church. There's no other church. All right? I don't care how big it is. I don't care how much they pay. I don't care what it comes... There's no other church I want to be at because this is where God has called me. And if a man does not love the Word of God and and the the people of God, then friends, he says, just as bad as if they're a hireling. When danger comes, when they can't get something out of it, when it's not beneficial, they're just going to cut bait and leave. And they're going to leave it in worse shape there. Paul said, even if I had the gift of all prophecy, he said, if I understood the whole mind of God and did not have love, then I'm worthless there. Not only the prophet that he talks about, the preacher without love, but he talks about, secondly, the prophet without love. He said, and have all knowledge there. Prophecy was so very important at this time. Remember, uh, during this time, the Bible was not finished. During this time, they did not have the completed Word of God. It wasn't until around A.D. 95 uh, that, that John the Revelator finished the book of Revelation, the Word of God being complete. Up until that time, you had prophets. You had people that would come out and they would... uh, There's two forms of of prophecy there. One is what's called foretelling, which simply means to preach. And the other is what's called foretelling, which uh, sees things in advance. It tells of the mind of God what's going to happen in advance. John the Revelator in the book of Revelation, he foretold. He tells us what's going to happen. He said, though I had... uh, If I had all knowledge... Spiritual knowledge. Again, this is talking about uh, spiritual understanding. He said, though I have all knowledge and don't have love... He said, I, I'm become useless. Uh, unprofitable, worthless, a, a, a hindrance. Friends, we, we have to be very careful. Many times spiritual knowledge will give us pride instead of humility. Many times we'll walk around and you'll hear somebody speak or, or hear somebody teach and say, oh, they didn't teach that right. I could have done that better. Friends, if our hearts got love with it, it's got to have love. They said, though I have... All prophecy, all knowledge. He said, without love, it's it's worthless. That prophet, that prophet in the sight of God, in the sight of man, it was a a place of importance, it was a place of prestige. Uh, We read in Psalm 105 and verse number 15, Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. God didn't play around with that stuff. 
We, he still doesn't play around with that stuff. We look at, uh, we, we read in the scripture there, uh, Elijah, when, or Elisha, when they uh, came out there and they mocked Elisha, said the children that mocked Elisha, they weren't children. The word children literally uh, uh, spoke of someone about my age there, late 20s, early 30s. They were the false prophets and they stood out and mocked Elijah. And what happened? God sent that wild animal and literally devoured those false prophets right there. He doesn't play around with people putting their hand on, on, his, on his man there. He doesn't play around with people touching the prophets or the preachers. But he said, even that is worthless without love. He talks about that preacher, that prophet without love. He talks about those who are powerful being without love. He said, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. He said, even if I had enough faith, all the faith in the world, that I could look at this mountain and say, be cast into the sea. Though I had the, 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 the faith to, uh, to, to make sure every prayer was answered, and though I had the faith to trust God with everything, He said, if I didn't have love, it is worthless today. He said, I am nothing. The word charity simply means love. He said, I am nothing without that. Well, we got to get a hold of that mindset. I believe personally the Apostle Paul to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest Christian, New Testament Christian. Now we think of the fact that if this man, who is responsible for 13 of the 27 New Testament books of the Bible, who the very reason that we have the Gospel in America today is because of his missionary journeys and the work that he's done, that foundation that was laid that God used him to. He is the only apostle that we read of in Scripture that was given the doctrine of the church. If we look at all the other 11 apostles, they were focused mainly on Israel. Uh, Paul is on the church. We look at that fact and we see all this work and Paul saying, if I don't have love, I am nothing. That ought to humble us today. If that man could say that he was nothing without the love of God, how much more so should we have that same mindset? Friends, we think about, and we see there, it was more valuable than proclamation. It was more valuable than prophecy. But notice thirdly, it was also more valuable than philanthropy. Look at verse number 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Friends, this one right here, condemns every single self-righteous person trusting in their own works. This one right here, any person that says, Preacher, I give, I do, I work, I, I, I'm, I, I'm good, I'm this, I'm that. This verse right here condemns every person that is trying to come apart from grace. The Bible says very clearly, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Any person that is relying on the amount of money they put into an offering plate, their name being written on a roll, any work that they have done, any person that says, Preacher, I'm a good person, I, I, I don't need to be saved, I'm not like the heathens, I'm not like... Any person there, this verse right here condemns you. It shows us that all of us are on equal ground. Every one of us need to be redeemed. Every one of us are in just the same sinful state, whether you were born in the church or you were born in, in, in the gutter. It doesn't matter. Every one of us have to be saved. Paul here, he said, though I give all of my goods there. He talks about the sacrifices without love. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. I refer to this, I, like, I use the term the Hollywood mentality. We've got a, a whole bunch of rich actors and actresses, and there's nothing wrong with having money. Please don't misunderstand me. That's not what I'm saying. But they come out, 
And friends, they live in utter filth. When you see what comes out, I, I don't have to go into detail Amen. for you to see that, that the movies that come out now, friends, that most of them are nothing short of filthy. That lifestyle that is, is I mean, what is, is portrayed and what is, is personified and what is glorified is filth in the sight of God. And we sit here and they come and they set up these big charities and they give these big amount of monies and they give these, all, all these riches and they say, oh, we're helping the poor. Friends, when they stand before God, that's not going to do them a bit of good. Most of that is done. And I'm not saying all of it is done. But most of that is done with a very self-righteous attitude. With a look-at-me attitude. You ever notice, you see some of these people, at social media, the days of social media, though it does have its purposes, it reveals a lot of the true heart of people. You ever notice you see a lot of people, they do these great works, but they do it when they're caught on camera. They set it up so that everybody can see them and they go and they give to the poor. They go and they uh, do this work. For, oh, the Bible says, let not your left hand know what your right hand doeth. Let not the right hand know what the left it, it, it's, This isn't to be done openly. If you give, do it quietly. That's good to do, but make sure your reward is where it comes from in heaven. Make sure the one who sees it or the one uh, who gets the praise for it is bragged on is the right one and that's God and not us. Right. Human nature, human's mentality is always look at me. <coughs> Paul said if I give all of my goods, everything I have, if I bestow all of it to the poor and do it without love, it's just worthless. Friends, you, uh, again, we can give and give and give and give but if it's not done with the right heart. Jesus said, you have your reward. You've got, you've got all you wanted out of it. It's got to be done with that right heart, that desire to serve Him. Hey, he talks about, uh, I think about Luke 18 there, uh, the publican and the Pharisee. And, and uh, he goes on to talk about there. And he said, and He spake a parable unto, unto a certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Uh, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank Thee uh, that I am not as other men are, uh, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted there. We think of that Pharisee, and he goes on, and he says, I give tithes of all that I possess. He said, I give of, I, I give of my riches, friends, a, a pharisaical practice. It was not just money they gave. They gave, of, uh, when they grew things, when they had spices, when they had they would give everything down to the smallest. They'd give a tenth of all of it. And he said, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this other man. I, I give, I give. That publican, I love it. He wouldn't even lift up his head. Wouldn't even look up to heaven. He just, upon his chest. Over and over, the word smote means repeatedly beat upon his chest. It was a sign of mourning. It, was, it signified mourning. It signified a broken heart. He recognized himself as unworthy. He said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And we look and see that only Jesus, uh, Jesus only received one of them. Friends, that... that we talk about those sacrifices without love. We talk about also, last of all this morning, the suffering without love. He said, And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. What Paul was talking about there 
was being a martyr. A martyr is someone who is killed for their faith. Okay? He said, if I give my body to be burned, but I don't do it out of love, then it profits me nothing. I, what he's saying is I have no heavenly reward with it. That's a tremendous statement when we think about somebody laying down their life, but doing it for the wrong reason, and, and having no reward before God. Our works do not impress God. Isaiah 64, 6, our righteousness, our best, is as filthy rags before Him. Paul, in 2 Timothy, chapter number 4, when he is getting ready to die, matter of fact, that's a chapter we'll look at later on in this series, the Lord allows us. But when he is getting ready to die, he sends the final letter, the last book Paul wrote was 2 Timothy. He sends it unto the young preacher over in Ephesus, and he said, come to me. He said, if you can, come quick. He knew his time was drawing near. He said, when you, when you come, can you bring me a couple things? He said, bring me my cloak. He talking about his coat. He was cold. He was down in that prison cell. Cold, it could have been wintertime there. Again, that, that would have been even worse. It, it was cold and damp in the summer. It would have been horrible in the wintertime. He said, bring me my cloak. Knowing what he had suffered, knowing his age, guarantee that that weather played a part on, on his body hurting all the time. It just amplified it, so that cold would have been terrible to deal with. But he said, bring me my cloak. So when you come, bring my papers. But then he goes on to say, bring my parchments. Say, preacher, what's the parchment? The parchment there was the paper that was used at that time that Scripture was written on. Now, wait a second. Paul's getting ready to die. He knows his time is going. Why does he care anything about those parchments? What's he going to do with them? He's in a prison cell. Friends, I firmly believe with all my heart that as the Apostle Paul was getting ready to die, he witnessed to every one of those soldiers that he could. He witnessed to every one of those guards, every one of those prison workers, every one of those uh, cellmates. He witnessed to every one of them. I can see Paul as he is getting ready to walk down that, that long walk there, getting ready to go up to the guillotine. His head was taken off his body. I can see him as he is walking up there, uh, a soldier on each arm. And instead of fighting as, as most would do, instead of trying to flee and get away for his life, instead of pleading and trying to bribe his way out of it, I can see him looking and with a total resolve and with a peace in his heart, talking to those soldiers as he's going to, the, uh, as he's going to that guillotine and asking them if they know Christ. Witnessing to just one more, friends. He gave his body, but he gave it with a heart of love. And I imagine that those same soldiers... That put, him, that, that put Paul to that guillotine had the same response that the soldiers around the cross did when they said, truly, this was the Son of God. Amen. They would have looked at Paul and said, truly, this is a man of God. He was willing to do all that he did for love. Friends, we are not to judge another Christian's motives because we don't know another Christian's heart. That's right. That's what Matthew 7, 1 means. Judge not that ye be not judged. doesn't mean not to judge the wicked. We're supposed to see that. That's common sense. But we we're not supposed to judge another Christian's motives because we don't know their heart. I can't see inside your heart. You can't see inside mine. But God knows our hearts. Yeah. And friends, if we're not doing what we're doing out of love, it's not going to be any value. If we don't love the person, it doesn't mean you have to like everybody. It doesn't mean you have to get along with everybody. That's, that's just, let's be honest. There's 7 billion people in this world. You're not going to like everybody. Sometimes, some people just don't clash. But we are to love everybody. 
we are to love them and even our enemy if they came to us. Jesus said, if you give them, if you give it your enemy cold water, you're dumping coals on their head. Friends, what we're supposed to love, even our enemies today, everything we do for Christ, everything we do in this church, in our homes, in our workplaces, out in that world, it has to be done with love. Otherwise, it is worthless. God is looking for a people today. Doesn't you say, preacher? I, I, I'm not the the smartest person. What I have trouble with, with I always had trouble in school. That doesn't matter. Preacher, I'm not the most outgoing person in the world. I, I don't do well speaking in front of others. That doesn't matter. Preacher, I, I, I'm not the most talented person in the world. I can't do this and I can't do that. That doesn't matter. God is looking for that heart that says, preacher, I love that person, and I want to do all I can to make sure they hear about the gospel. God is looking for that heart that will go down beside that person that doesn't look the cleanest or doesn't look the nicest or maybe rough on the outside and gets down beside them and says, hey, listen, Jesus loves you. And He died for you. That one that other people walk... You think about that, that uh, the good Samaritan. They walked on the other side of the road. That Samaritan got down and put him on his own horse. Put him on his own animal. Took him to the inn. Paid for him. Bandaged him up. And he said, if, I owe, if he owes anything else, I'll pay for it when I come back through. That's love. That is what we need today. I think about the woman at the well. Friends, she was a harlot. She had lived a rough life. She came to that well in the dead of the heat because nobody else would be there. She didn't want to be around anybody else. Those women knew her reputation. They talked about her when they saw her. But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. He went there just for her. Friends, maybe today there's somebody in your workplace that you go to and they're rough. Everybody else avoids them. That may be the very one God wants you to witness to. Young people in your school, there may be that one that isn't popular, that doesn't look good, that nobody wants to be around, that everybody else makes fun of. That may be the one God wants you to love. Friends, when we leave this church building, we see that man, the, the, the drunkard or the drug addict. Instead of walking by them and saying, you're not worth my time, that may be the very one God wants you to love. What's our motive? What drives us today? If it's not love, it's worthless. It's all standing there, heads bowed and eyes closed.